Chapter 7, Tears Falling for a World Gone Wrong I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. Having a baby is really hard work. And I'm not just talking about labor and birth. I mean that it's hard having an infant living in your house. Babies cry. A lot. They cry when they're hungry. They cry when they're tired. And they cry when they need to be changed. But sometimes they just cry for no good reason at all. Sometimes you can't find a quick fix. You can't identify the physical cause for those tears. And they just won't stop. Some babies don't sleep well, and when the sun goes down and mom and dad are exhausted and looking forward to a good night's sleep, the restless squirming turns into fussing, which leads way into full-on meltdowns that last all night. In the early days of our son Jack's life, he had a hard time, especially at night. I can remember many nights of holding that little guy in my arms, walking back and forth through the house in the middle of the night to get him to calm down and fall back to sleep. Who knows how many miles I have walked in that little house, in the dark, back and forth while listening to a favorite album or audiobook. As a parent, watching your child suffer and not being able to help them is probably the most difficult and gut-wrenching feeling in the world. When your kid is sick, sad, injured, or heartbroken, there are times when you are helpless to do anything about it. And in those moments, you would tear the very world apart if it would do any good. But of course it wouldn't. So you wind up doing the only thing you can do. You sit and hurt alongside them. I can remember a time when our oldest daughter, Anna, came home from kindergarten upset because a boy had made fun of her during lunch, and several kids laughed, making her cry. When she told us the story, she cried again. I was fuming. I wanted to do something, anything to make it right and put that sweet little girl back together again. But we wound up just holding her while she cried. Have you ever thought about what kind of baby Jesus was? Like whether he was a good baby or not? What if he cried a lot? What if he didn't sleep well at night, but tossed, turned, fussed, and wailed? I don't really like the term good baby to describe a child that doesn't cry very much. After all, if a baby is uncomfortable, sick, or suffering, is that child really doing something wrong by expressing it in the only way they know how? What if Jesus woke up at 3 a.m. night after night and needed to be held, rocked, and soothed back to sleep? Would we say he wasn't a good baby? Should we really be all that surprised to find out that the baby Jesus suffered and had a hard time? Jesus was God in the flesh. He was the visible expression of the invisible God. When he spoke, he was giving us God's heart in plain, everyday language. Ages before Jesus came, God's people were actually accustomed to hearing from God. In the old days, God used to speak to his people through prophets. These guys were special men and women set apart to serve the Lord by hearing from him and then telling the people what God had said to them. They were like mediators, bridging the gap between earth and heaven, telling everyone what was on God's heart and mind. 
God would tell the prophet and the prophet would tell the people. When we see the term prophet, we immediately think of some kind of fortune teller making predictions about what will come to pass in the future. And sure, sometimes prophets did make predictions, but mainly a prophet was just a person God picked, spoke to, and then sent out to the people to give them the message he wanted them to hear. And the Old Testament is filled with the stories of the prophets, men and women of power and influence, bold and fearless warriors, as well as meek and gentle sages. God picked all kinds of people to speak for him, rich and powerful nobles, as well as poor, unknown nobodies. Some of them worked miracles, led armies, and changed the hearts of nations, while some were ignored, hated, and even killed for their service. One of the most prominent of God's prophets was Moses, who led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land of Canaan. God's people had been slaves for over 400 years, and when he sent Moses to rescue them, he did so by telling this aged shepherd, I have heard them crying. God's relationship with Moses was special. You see, God didn't just talk with Moses. They were friends. They hung out. They met together. Moses famously walked right into the cloud of God's very presence and even saw his glory passing by, which made Moses' face glow for a while. One time, all of the people of Israel were gathered together at the base of a mountain when God showed up. The mountain burst into fire and smoke. It was like finding out that you were camped out beside a volcano, only it was too late to run away. The whole sky and landscape was engulfed in smoke and fire, and out of the midst of that terrifying storm, the God of glory thundered and spoke. All two and a half million people collectively freaked out. From that point on, they told Moses, please don't let him talk to us. We can't handle it. You talk to him instead, and then you can tell us what he says. That's as close as we want to get. So that's what they did. God spoke to Moses and Samuel and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel, Amos, and on and on, and the prophets spoke to the people on God's behalf. At the very end of Moses' life, he gave a speech. It was his farewell speech to God's people. We call that final address the book of Deuteronomy. And in chapter 18, Moses told the people that God would send another prophet for them who was like himself and that they would need to listen to him. Many prophets came and went, but one day a prophet would come who, like Moses, seemed to have a special relationship with God like no one had had before him. A prophet would come with God's word in his heart and mind and mouth. A prophet would come who seemed to be friends with God who hung out with him, who seemed to walk right into his presence and come out glowing with the eternal rays of almighty wisdom, truth, and love. The Old Testament ended when the ink dried on Malachi's last prophecy, and God was silent for 400 years. He sent no prophets and uttered no word. That is, until Christmas. God broke his silence by sending his last and greatest prophet, 
the one Moses had promised he would send. Only this prophet didn't kick off his career of representing God by giving a great sermon or making amazing predictions. No, this prophet was a baby. So when he came, he cried. Sometimes the baby Jesus cried because he was hungry. And sometimes he cried because he was tired or he needed to be changed. But I believe that sometimes he just cried. In those moments, Mary and Joseph didn't know what to do. None of the normal tricks worked to soothe him. So they held him and rocked him. But the baby Jesus just cried and cried because he was a prophet. God sent him into the world to tell us that he has seen our suffering. He knows our brokenness. He has seen and heard the depth of our need, and his heart breaks with ours. Before our Lord was the man of sorrows, he was the baby of sorrows, showing us the broken heart of God over the pain, evil, and death of this world. Jesus came to pay for our wrong, to defeat sin and the grave, and to mend this whole world. But before he paid, he cried. 